Hello, hello, hello! You're listening to Big Easy Ideas, a podcast that features live recordings from New Orleans Entrepreneur Week and builds connections at the intersection of innovation and culture. New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, or NOE as the locals like to call it, is an annual event across the city of New Orleans every March and is a celebration of startups, innovation, entrepreneurship, and what's next. Learn more and check out ways to get involved at neworleansentrepreneurweek.org or noew.org. And now, on to today's episode. Big Easy Idea listeners, thank you for tuning in today. A few housekeeping notes before we get started. First off, this is the final episode of season one. The theme for this first season has intentionally been focused around local innovation and leadership, looking at the growth of the New Orleans startup community over the last 20 years and setting the stage for what's to come in the next 20. We hope you've enjoyed and learned something new about the Gulf South startup ecosystem. We'd love to hear any thoughts, feedback, or ideas. You can always reach us at hello at noe.org. That's hello at noew.org or at hello noe on all social media channels. I realized that throughout this first season, I haven't introduced myself. I'm Liz Maxwell. I'm a New Orleans native and the director of community and communications at the Idea Village. As part of that role, I also serve as executive producer of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. It's been a pleasure to translate the live event experience at NOE into a podcast format. Going forth, I'm excited to share the microphone with other team members and partners who will be hosting future seasons of Big Easy Ideas. Next up, you'll meet Sean Mulligan, Program and Events Coordinator at the Idea Village, who is going to take you on a journey through a very unique and emerging industry that down here in New Orleans we're calling Culture Tech. Stay tuned for that next up. And finally, a reminder that we'd love to see you in person in New Orleans soon. NOE 2023 is set for March 27th through April 1st, so if you're coming in from out of town, now is a great time to get your travel plans together. We have special rates locked in with some of our fabulous local hotels right near where the action will be. The majority of NOE is free, and we have fantastic events lined up beginning Monday, March 27th, with our ecosystem partners across the entire city of New Orleans. If you're planning to stay through the end of the week, NOE Fest Passes are also available now and at a discounted rate through March 1st, so now is a great time to lock in your plans. Make sure you're signed up for email updates at BigEasyIdeas.com, where we'll continue releasing the latest on discounted hotels, recommendations for local entrepreneurs, where to eat and drink, and speaker and music headliners all the way through March. And now, moving on to today's episode. We're going to end Season 1 where we started, talking about Lucid, a Scent Group company, and the res tech industry that they helped define. Lucid and Scent helped bring market research online and demonstrated the potential of tapping into consumer insights at scale. This panel will explore the emerging industry of digital research technology, or res tech, in addition to sharing the personal stories of entrepreneurs working in that space. What I found particularly interesting about this session was the concept of studying data that looks at the past versus data that attempts to give a window into the future. 
In addition to hearing these leaders discuss how data collection may continue to evolve, critical questions around data ownership and what's ahead for the res tech industry. I'm pleased to introduce Vinyesh Krishnan, CEO of Research Defender, Timothy Cornelius, founder and CEO of P3 Technology, and Ricky Odello, Vice President of Sales at Lucid, a Synth Group company. Enjoy. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, I have my notes here on the phone, so I'm not checking Instagram. I am like following along. I did not memorize all questions, believe it or not. Um, real quickly, my name is Ricky Odello. Uh, I'm one of the VPs and sales leaders from Lucid. Now I work for Scent. Uh, joined Scent by way of their successful acquisition of Lucid in December. We put together this panel today because New Orleans is quite literally the birthplace of RedStack. Uh, it is where the words and the concept was invented uh, by uh, Lucid's founder, Patrick Comer. And today we're going to explore what ResTech means, like what is it, uh, and also what it means to the city of New Orleans and the opportunities that uh, present themselves within the industry both here and all over the world. I'm also joined on stage by Vignesh Krishnan, uh, old friend and colleague. Uh, Vignesh is the founder and CEO of Research Defender. Uh, welcome, Vignesh. Thank you as well as Tim Cornelius, uh, founder and CEO of P3 Technology uh, and director of audience operations at Question Pro. Thank you, Ricky. Good to see you, Tim. Good to see you. All right, packed house, everyone's excited. Um, let's start with um, defining what the space is, because I think unless you work in ResTech, you may not know what it means. So Vignesh, why don't we start with you? What is ResTech? Everybody has a definition for this, so I'll give you mine and we'll see if, if it sticks. So, Restech research technology, I think the best way I would define it is to understand that every company in the world looks to get data to make sure that you can make the right decisions and choices for, for your customers, right? So this could be a company like Coca-Cola or Nike that everybody's heard of, obviously, but it could also be research about cancer in which you're taking opinions from doctors. So research technology scans the whole landscape and the idea is that all of the technologies that are used within that space would be part of would make up the research technology space right so this could be people who find respondents uh, to take the surveys our specific company helps fight fraud because that exists in in the space as well um, it could be companies that help with the data collection companies that help with the analysis so essentially, it's a pretty big industry. Um, as you can imagine, data is something that everybody wants these days. So it's a fairly large and important industry. And I guess all the companies that fall into it would fall into that research tech, res tech landscape. Great. Thanks, Vignesh. Uh, Tim, anything you would add to that? What does res tech mean to you? I'd say that res tech means to me any means of getting feedback on your product or service. Uh, P3 technology exists to give a voice to those who aren't able to access surveys traditionally online. So we're able to tap into the groups that are underrepresented socioeconomically as well as cognitively. With Question Pro, we're able to really use technology to drive that connection between the customer and the brand. A P3 seems like such a mission 
based business and something that means a lot to you. Could you expand upon that? Yeah, absolutely. So I started P3 because I found a problem in the online surveys. I found that people who were hard of hearing or not able to see very well were getting unfairly terminated out of a survey. And we advise customers the, the best way we can to make sure that they aren't falling into the same pits that we were and making sure that companies that say they want representative sample are willing to go the extra mile. Thanks, Tim. And diversity and inclusion is important in all industries, especially this one, where we're categorizing uh, the opinions of an entire population. So one thing each of us have in common is we all worked for Lucid. Ignesh, we worked together a long time. Uh, Tim, you and I worked together as well. Any reaction to New Orleans' first unicorn business being in ResTech, and I guess more personally, you being a key contributor to that outcome? Vignesh, maybe start with you, since you kind of built the product? Yeah, sure. Uh, I wouldn't go so far, but... Uh, <laughs> look, I, I think it's important, right? Because ultimately, we all know that good economic activity always drives a lot of good things, right? So I was really privileged and happy and to have been there early. 12 years later, we have several clients here locally. So employees who were formerly at Lucid and, and now are, are part of the community here, they want to stay here, obviously, then you can keep working without having to change the industry. So I think it's really important and I'm really happy that it happened. So it was really nice to see that whole journey come through. Uh, Tim, anything to add there? When I heard about the acquisition, I was like, wow, this is incredible. I feel like there's so much potential in the area. I started P3 Technology while I was in the Idea Institute, part of Idea Village, and they said, whoa, 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 you gotta talk to Vignesh, because we don't know if we can have two horses in this race. And I said, what we're doing is completely different. We actually work together on a lot of initiatives. The acquisition is such a great indicator of economic success of the region and the definition of what we're doing here and research technology. Yeah, and, and I would add also that uh, even if there were to be competition, like basically in the digital economy, it's hard not to be working with companies, right? In the digital space, I think that's a huge advantage. And even if you can't work with another company and, and they are quote unquote competing with you, I think that's okay because you still push the ball further, even though you're in the same city and even in that case, there is still collaboration and, and you're still pushing the ball forward because the pie gets bigger. You have more companies, more brands wanting to do this work, and that does get distributed out as the revenue comes in. Yeah, being that this is New Orleans Entrepreneurs Week, probably people out there thinking, hey, if I'm going to start a business and or go find a company to work for, how would you categorize kind of the opportunities within this industry of ResTech, which was born here? And I think, Tim, you were starting to touch upon this, like the proliferation of a Lucid or a Pure Spectrum uh, or a Research Defender getting bigger and uh, kind of what, what does that mean to those looking to jump in and uh, get in on the action? As Vignesh said, there's, the industry is set to be, I think, $35 trillion, the insights industry, in five years. But there's a lot of areas that still need help. There's a lot of fraud in online research. There's a lot of discrimination in online research. And the organizations that are helping people get into this type of space. The Lucids, the Sense that are hiring hundreds of people at a time, and then you know the smaller organizations that are there to help and, and hire maybe a little slower. Mission-driven organizations, I think we will always find a niche, we'll always find something that, that we can improve on, and with that, 
comes money. Also, there's the practical aspect of if you're in the industry and you're here, you know uh, there's a lot of investors who, who got good returns. Um, and there's the very practical aspect that if you're within the industry and you have an idea that obviously seems valid, at least on the angel level, right, to get started, those checks are probably much easier to get today than 2010, right? There's just no doubt about it. Even with the pitch competition that's going to be happening on, on Friday, it's going to be 400,000. So in, in two years, basically two and a half years, that number has gone 10, more than 10 times, 10 times. So there's definitely the practical aspect of that money flowing back in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, think about the ecosystem of ResTech. It's very analogous to other ecosystems uh, like ad tech and martech and fintech and edtech and so on. Pivoting a little bit from uh, the ResTech and Lucid celebration and maybe more towards your personal stories as entrepreneurs, uh, what lessons have you learned in prior roles, whether at Lucid or elsewhere, that you take with you moving forward as you look to build your own businesses? So I can tell you that the, and I, you know, this is not just a random shout out to Idea Village, but I'll, I'll give it, because I know that I can go have a difficult conversation with a client or they don't have space in the budget for that specific you know, product or whatever it is. But throughout that whole day, throughout that whole week, throughout that whole month, I know Idea Village exists to help us. Right, they are, they are really the good people, and it's not just about them, you know, and they didn't pay me, by the way, to, to say all that, right? And many people, I'll tell you, like angel investors, they gave us money for no other reason that they want you to be here. And it's a fairly abstract product, especially you, you both of you know, uh, it's a fairly abstract product. Even though you can give them the pitch and tell them the financials and show them the deck and the APIs, or whatever it is, it's still very abstract. And they don't know whether it's going to work or not. And they don't care in a way, right? They have a budgeted amount of investment that they want to give. Because if you go to LA or, or New York, like they're not going to care like whether where you are. They just are mainly looking at the returns. Versus here, explicitly I've been given money saying, hey, you're here, so we're going to give you money. I don't understand anything that you're doing. <laughs> it may blow up, but we have the budget. Here's the money, right? And again, these are not giant checks, right? Tens of thousands of dollars or you know, maybe low hundreds of thousands, but it's still, as you can imagine, very, very useful. Um, and obviously, as it grows, in a funny way, you may eventually, in 10 years, you don't want that to happen anymore because at that point, New Orleans has gotten to a size that they don't have to think about that, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, New Orleans is a special place. But there's no doubt about it, and there's a lot of opportunity here. Uh, pivoting a little bit, uh, Vignesh, you and I were talking about this before the session, and a little bit of the gift and curse of remote work. What opportunities and challenges do you think exist uh, especially in this city when it relates to remote work? I'll just tell you my personal side of things. I personally do like to come to the office, right? Uh, although, you know, uh, I used to joke, like, especially 2020, late 2020, early 2021, there was actually more social distancing in the office because there was nobody there. It was like 3,000 square foot, uh, only I'm sitting there, and, you know, they didn't charge me any extra. So I personally uh, enjoy it, and it's a mental, like, change for me. But... I think except for me, and we have like seven people, right? So it's a smallish company. Uh, except for me, I think everybody actually works from home. So I personally don't have a quote-unquote problem with it. I think they can do as they wish. But for me, I, I prefer to come in. That being said, though, I would much rather be able to do that in New Orleans because it's a 20, 25-minute drive as opposed to sitting in traffic for three hours, right? Yeah. One way. So I think that's an advantage here, right? Going back to that medium-sized city, having some advantages. Um, and I was actually joking, I was in Dallas this week, and um, 
you know, someone told me, oh yeah, it's not that far, it's about 25 miles. So I, I think that's an advantage, obviously, that we have here as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, I'll admit, it was a biased question. I have an agenda. And it's kind of obvious, if you are a remote worker living in New Orleans looking for jobs, there's so many opportunities out there. You can work for a New York company or a LA company or an international company even. But if you're here, I also believe it's really important to have the physical space here and to gather there. So Lucid, Perspectrum, Research Defender, uh, uh, Question Pro and others have been disruptors in the res tech space. Uh, Tim, where do you see a, uh, more opportunity for disruption uh, within this industry of ours? Personally, I would say more accountability across the buyers and suppliers uh, and the people who are gathering insights on behalf of, say, the Coca-Colas of the world. The space is evolving so fast that it's impossible to be on top of everything that you do. You need a trusted advisor to help you navigate the space. I would say that the winners are going to be the ones that are focused on the respondent experience and finding very unique ways to get people into surveys. And I would love to see survey respondents own their own data and be able to use that data, revoke that data. I think that that completes the ecosystem. The way I would describe it, what our industry does is, so Google, Facebook, Twitter, you can go there and you can look at things that are happening, quote unquote, right now, or you can ha look at things that happened yesterday, like what did this person tweet, versus in our industry, we're actually asking intent questions. So what are you planning to do tomorrow, right? What are you planning to do in a month or two months, so on and so forth? And, you know, and I would argue that the future is obviously more powerful than today and yesterday. So, Ricky, to answer your question in terms of opportunity, I, I do f believe that this industry is undervalued, quite frankly, because if you compare it to the Facebooks and the Twitters and, and Google, I mean, the number of zeros there uh, are, are pretty, you know, three times more, right, than, than the ones you see over here. So I, I do believe we're in the undervalued side of things, which is good. You'd rather be sitting on an undervalued asset than an overvalued asset, but we have to really bring it to the world, right? And, and I, I will say that we haven't done that yet. I think obviously Lucid success story is great. There's still a long way to go. And I, I do believe that there's a, if you can access the data in a fair way, like Tim described, um, and it's valid, and it can be across hundreds of thousands, if not millions of companies, just in the United States, but certainly in the world as well, then you're looking at a pretty massive, uh, you know, data asset, right? Much more massive than, than potentially even the companies that are collecting massive data today about yesterday, right? We, we're looking at the future, so I think that's a huge opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a great place to pause and open for questions. I agree, Vignesh. Let's add more zeros to this industry, and let's pump those zeros into New Orleans, right? Uh, we've got a couple minutes left. Any questions from the crowd? Do you see any hurdles inherent to the industry or to the geography that we should think about? Let me put it this way, David. I, I think there were far more hurdles 10 years ago when you know we worked together uh, and, and so on than there are today. You're still fishing from three or four universities, and I think we're getting higher up in the weight class. But I, I personally think that if we need to find somebody, we can find them here almost always, almost always. And I'll echo some of Tim's sentiments. I think the biggest hurdle facing uh, the res tech space is the access to willing participants. 
So those folks that provide data to us that we monetize, it's not always a great experience to fill out surveys and answer questions. You have this tens of billions of dollars in the industry and, and unicorn acquisitions taking place, but there's this constituent called the participant that they're not really in on the action, and I feel like that's got to give at some point, right? Because without that data, none of us have any value. We really need them. Said another way, there is more demand than there is supply, and we need to solve that. All right, I think we're just about out of time, so I really appreciate all of you coming today and, and listening to our little chat. Uh, hopefully you found value and enjoy the rest of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Big Easy Ideas. Big Easy Ideas is produced by The Idea Village, a nonprofit accelerator that supports startups and cultivates entrepreneurial talent in New Orleans and the greater Gulf South region. By visiting ideavillage.org, you can learn more about how to turn your idea into a thriving business and how to turn your business into a high growth startup. You can also learn more about opportunities to invest in startups ways to mentor, partner, and support local industry-leading companies. You might also find a job in our region's thriving tech and startup community. The idea is, it takes a village. So visit ideavillage.org to explore how to get involved in the Gulf South's rapidly growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. The music for Big Easy Ideas is by the Young Fellas Brass Band from their new album, Block Party which is available now on all streaming platforms. You can find the Young Fellas Brass Band on the streets of New Orleans and at their website, youngfellasbrassband.com. That's fellas with a Z, young F-E-L-L-A-Z brassband.com. And of course, we want to give a special thank you to all of the sponsors of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week, in addition to the year-round donors and supporters of the Idea Village, who make this work possible and keep this content accessible to all. And finally, thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you down in the Big Easy. Until next time.